Well, hello, my dear friend. Thanks so much for joining me today. We are going to dive into part two of our three-part series about feedback. You know, they used to call it constructive criticism. We're calling it something different. And today we're diving into what role the ego plays. Coming up. Hey, welcome to the Stephanie Stevens Show, where I help you discover the power of communication and the keys that unlock the doors to freedom in every area of your life. Man, I'm so glad to be spending a few minutes of your day with you. Thank you so very much for letting me and thank you for doing all of the things that I've asked you to do in that intro of mine, you know, the subscribing, the rating and the sharing. If you would do that, I'd be so incredibly grateful. Thank you in advance for doing it. So we're in the middle now of a three-part series that I'm titling Feedback, the Double-Edged Sword. These days we call it feedback. We used to call it constructive criticism. But then we didn't like how the word criticism felt, <laughs> and especially if we had to offer constructive criticism. So we dumped the word criticism, and now we say things like feedback or feedback loops. So it feels a little more comfortable. Has it actually changed what's taking place? Not really. But criticism, that word, tends to have a negative connotation. So we want to yank the negative connotation right out toss it out. It doesn't belong there anyway, because feedback, if it is true, honest, and authentic can actually be really beneficial. And we're actually going to talk about in the third part or the third episode of the three-part series. But today we have to dive into what role the ego plays in our either receiving of or our giving of feedback. So let's take the receiving of the feedback. Okay. Has anybody ever said to you, hey, can I give you a little constructive criticism? Or, hey, are you open to some constructive criticism? Or even, hey, uh, are you able to handle a little bit of feedback? What happens to you the minute somebody offers that or asks that question? Do you tense up a little bit? Does a knot form in your stomach? Do your shoulders move up to your ears? Do you bristle just a little bit? Do you internally brace yourself? Do you nervously laugh? <laughs> Do you say, um, sure, in a very trepidatious and almost kind of a cynical way? Do you say, yeah, I'm open to feedback if you are, in the hopes of turning it into a sparring match? Now, all of those things are natural, and here's why. Because the ego is there to protect you and me. It's there to protect us. So whenever it feels something uncomfortable coming toward you, it wants to yell, incoming, brace yourself, and it wants you to shut down or start defense mode. And it's really interesting. You know, there are a lot of practices and especially spiritual practices that talk about dropping and diminishing the ego. I happen to think all parts of the mind are there for a very important reason. I think sometimes the ego or the thing known as the ego gets a little bit of a bad rap because ultimately it's there to try to protect and defend you. The problem is in all of that protecting and defending, it inflates us and we tend to believe our own hype. That's where ego becomes problematic, when we start believing our own hype. When we start becoming our own biggest fan, our own most staunch defender, and the person who stands behind a Teflon wall of defensiveness, 
that will get us nowhere fast. In fact, we will not be able to grow. We will not be able to expand. We certainly will not be able to help others do the same if we are literally standing in the middle of that ego space and we can't ever soften, sit back, become an observer, and constructively hear what other people have to say. Because at the end of the day, what is it really that that ego wants to protect? Oftentimes, the ego wants to protect sameness. It wants homeostasis. It wants you not to change anything. Why? Because you're upright and breathing. Then as long as you're alive, it's done its job. Your defense mechanisms have done their job. They've kept you alive. They just want to survive. (laughs) So what we want to do is grow the mindset and the spirituality that goes along with it to understand We don't need to defend, especially if we haven't done something that requires defending. As soon as we feel like we've got to jump in with a fight or a defense, it is an indication that there may be something that we are trying to protect or defend. Now, I'm not talking about rebutting a false accusation. That's completely different. That is as much for the accuser's benefit if not more, then it is yours. Because we don't do anybody a service if we allow them to stand outside of truth. So rebutting something that is not true is a little bit different. That's honor and that's right. For coming from a place of truth and authenticity, then it's an honorable thing to do. Or, you know, to rightly rebut on someone else's behalf when you know that they are being misspoken of or spoken of in an ill manner and they really don't deserve that or it's gossip and hearsay. Then it's a good thing to draw attention to that because, again, you're not doing the person perpetrating that behavior any services or any favors by acquiescing to that because you, my friend, become complicit in the rhetoric or in the gossip, etc. Now, I'm specifically talking about defense when it comes to us receiving feedback based on how other people are perceiving us in the moment or perceiving something that we've created. Maybe it's a project. Maybe it's a, an assignment that we did. Maybe it's something that we've turned in that we've asked to be critiqued. I'm talking about those kinds of things wherein it's based in and carries the intention of benefit for you, okay? If somebody wants to offer you some constructive criticism or feedback, chances are they care about you, they are for you, and they want you to do well. If not, they're not going to preface it by, hey, can I offer you some feedback? They're just going to blast you, (laughs) okay? So again, we are mindfully distinguishing the difference between being, you know, blasted or slandered or or something like that unjustly and just for the sake of the other person feeling better about themselves. We're talking about two separate issues. In this case, we are just talking about feedback or that thing that used to be known as constructive criticism. So the ego wants to defend. It wants to keep you upright. It wants to keep you alive and well, and it knows that you're doing pretty good the way you are right now. Thank you very much. You shouldn't need to change anything because after all, look at you, you're surviving. The ego isn't really interested in growing or developing or self-improvement or personal growth and development. Not at all. The ego wants to find a persona that gets attention, that works really well, that survives, and that has some type of power mechanism or power lever attached to it. Makes us feel important, makes us feel significant, okay? It's going to attach to that stuff because that is perceived 
as strength. So when we drill down and melt all of those layers away and get down to the bottom of it, the reality is we in and of ourselves don't need to muster our own strength because if you are a man or woman of any type of faith, you know there is a greater source of your strength anyway. And so the reality is what the ego wants to do is as soon as constructive criticism comes barreling our way is it wants to move into those three little behaviors and they are known as defending, explaining, and justifying. Okay. Defend, explain, and justify. That's what the ego wants to do. Anytime something is coming our way, anytime that constructive criticism or feedback loop comes spinning our direction, typically the first response for the ego will be to defend, to explain, or to justify whatever it is that's being brought to us. I'm going to give you an example from my own personal life. When I was younger, my parents used to say I should pursue being a lawyer because all I ever did was argue, 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 argue. I don't know what it was about arguing that I enjoyed so much, but I really, really liked being contrary. And especially I liked defending myself. I think there was a part of me, and again, we could get into parts therapy, <laughs> which part, how old was I? That's probably for another episode. But there was a part of my being that really felt like if I didn't defend myself, nobody else would. And so I felt like I had to be very self-protective. Now, whether that was real or perceived doesn't matter. That's not the point for right now. The point is I was very defensive. So anytime anybody even looked in my direction in a way that felt anything other than positive, I would get defensive. I would sort of bristle a little bit. Or if somebody wanted to tell me something or correct me or teach me, I just really struggled with that. And again, that is that was born out of a lot of insecurity, a lot of me not really knowing who I was or where I belonged in the scheme of my family unit at the time as a kid. And so I just defended everything. We've all probably experienced this during our lives. We can all recognize what that feels like. We've all been in a situation where we are simply not open and receptive to feedback. So we talked in the first episode of this three-part series how you can actually time the feedback appropriately so that you are open and receptive. And if you are not receptive in that moment, you can simply say, you know what? Now's not a good time. I'm sure there's a better time. Let's find a better time to exchange feedback. But if you're not given the opportunity and somebody just simply comes to bring feedback your direction, the first thing you're going to want to look for is that ego jumping up, ready to defend, ready to explain, ready to jump in, ready to defend your position and your person and your persona, or ready to explain why the person providing the feedback is way off, way off in their assessment, or justify the behavior or whatever it is they've brought to you to examine in the form of feedback. Now, those three things are what are most likely going to pop up in the ego again, wants to serve its purpose. It wants to keep you doing well. It wants to keep you strong. It wants to keep you surviving. It wants to keep you thriving. It just doesn't understand that it is okay to take a back seat, sit in the corner, cross its legs, sip a cup of tea, and listen as an objective observer to what is being offered. Now you can take or leave 
what is being offered. Isn't that good to know? The beautiful thing is whatever kind of feedback is offered to you, you can take it or you can leave it. And your precious ego there can sit off in the corner and critique whether or not at some point in time, you might want to mull this over and maybe think about how some of the feedback may actually be beneficial to you and to your interests, which would be, after all, beneficial to it and its interest. The reality is the more we grow, the deeper we become in terms of that spiritual connection, the more willing we are to grow and expand, the less we think we know. Isn't that fascinating? The more we grow, the more we lean into our ability to discern, the more wisdom we ask for and seek, the more we comprehend we don't know, which makes us that much more receptive to learning and growing. Do you see the cycle? Do you see that feedback loop, that willingness to receive information and feedback, that willingness to mull it over to see if we can actually take a little morsel from that and benefit from it? And then the ability to comprehend that we actually really don't know everything, even though way back when, when I used to argue, I thought I did know everything. In fact, I'm sure I was called a know-it-all once or twice because that's how I acted and that's what I was offering. And of course, what's the end game here? The more we have to offer eventually when we pursue self-mastery, when we pursue growth and expansion, we have that much more capability to have beautiful things flow into and through and out of our lives. And we get to now impart and offer things to other people that are beneficial and useful for them to learn and grow and stretch and then impart. And the beautiful cycle goes on and on and on. All right, my friend, we're in this together as always. Much love to you. Thanks again for listening. Our part three of this three-part series about feedback, the double-edged sword. We will learn the three very important questions to ask when you are either receiving or offering feedback. All right. Thanks again. Much love to you. And as always, I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to The Stephanie Stevens Show. Please remember to subscribe so we can stay connected and you never miss an episode of the podcast. Oh, and if you haven't left a rating yet, please be sure to do so. It helps incredible people like you find the podcast. We'll see you on the next episode.